Awesome Crash, welcome to the Irish Boys Podcast. Uh, this is going to be the reaction to the Luton game that we've just sat and watched. Sat and watched the once again around the kitchen table with Mum. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. So what did you think of that? It was three points. And I think there were encouraging signs from a few individual players. Yeah, it's three points, which is the main thing. It's a win. It's not the the shock sort of defeat that Luton could have brought and could have put more damage on Derrickson High. But personal reaction to that performance, it, again, I think it's drab. I find it very hard to stay in tune for 90 minutes with Manchester and watch us play so badly. But it's, again, that slow, methodical build-up. Which is the thinking behind our manager for how he wants to play in the Premier League. I mean, what are the signs? What, what is it that you believe Erickson Hag is trying to do? Because what I seen in Ajax was a possession-based footballing team who moved the ball through transitional play and got the ball up the pitch, albeit quicker than what Manchester United are doing yeah. at the minute. But are you saying then that they need to find players that can play the ball quicker in that system and then it'll click? Are you expecting Erickson Hag to change the tactics and game plan again? I mean, what, where does your optimism come from? My optimism comes... I think you've hit the nail on the head. That's possession-based football, but done a lot quicker. And who, who do you think I needs... think uh, I was encouraged today by Mason Mount. I think he progressed the ball very well through the midfield. I think he linked up with the forward line, and I was impressed with Mason Mount today. Harry, props off to Harry Maguire as well. He moved, He was trying to progress the ball, but this pass, passage of play where they're playing it around the defensive that's tagged. that's tagged they're moving the ball from side to side through the defenders so the ball comes back into the defenders is move the ball tactics the or is it because well we've seen it, it now for seven eight games so if it isn't tactics and the manager's so not what you're saying is that's, that's, that's to wear the opposition down it's to move the opposition around the pitch yeah, it's but if that okay if that's tactics it needs to be quicker I can see that Transitional play. I can see actually see patterns of play. I could see patterns of play in the last two games, which I was encouraged by. And that's probably where I'm getting my optimism from. I can see those passages of play. I think they are mediocre at best. I don't think they're good enough. I think this is why Manchester United suffer and are defeated by the bigger teams. Because this style of play wears down teams like Fulham and Luton. And you know, we ache out these results and we get points on the board and results on the board because Manchester United ultimately have the better players and it will work to an extent but then when he comes up against the better coach and he comes up against the better system United fail and that is a consistent from last year to this year but I know you're saying that we have the better players but can those better players play his system or are they the wrong better players for his system I'd argue our better players are sitting on the bench at the minute. So you talked about Mason Mount being encouraging, but a fully fit Mason Mount can't shift Christian Erickson out of the team at the he minute. He should be able to. But Erickson Hag doesn't see it that way. Well, he should be able to. You, and you called for Harry Maguire to be moved out of the team when Raphael Varane managed to get Victor Lindelof back in because they would be able to provide a more balanced ball-playing defender dynamic that would push Manchester United higher up the pitch. But he's, he is choosing Harry Maguire over Raphael Varane. Yes, I will still stand by that. And I don't understand his his thinking behind that pairing unless he's playing it safe. Harry Maguire against the low block sides that aren't going to attack you, that aren't going to press you, is a safe bet. At which point would you concede then that this is the decision of the monitor? Is that when we play a big team and he places Maguire in over Varane, would you then finally accept that this man 
sees Harry Maguire because he came out before the game and he disagreed with you. He didn't say that it was to do with, you know, Harry, Raphael Varane, Harry Maguire. He said that there are certain partnerships which work and that Harry Maguire and Raphael Varane had a partnership last season. You know, that they both moved in and out of the right-sided centre-backs position. But he is choosing Harry Maguire the minute over Raphael Varane. He did not dismiss it. He did not say that one does more than the other. He didn't say, you know, Leitch is out, Martinez can't play, so therefore Varane can't play. He defiantly said to the fan base today, I'm choosing Harry Maguire because Harry Maguire's playing better. So what do you make of that? Well, at present, Harry Maguire is playing well. But you think Raphael Varane's the better player? Yes, I do. So do you think it's a mistake then of Ertz and Hag to pick these form players, and I'll use the error quotation marks, rather than the better footballers? Well, it is a mistake because when he comes up against quality opposition in the like Bayern Munich, in the like of Man City, that we are losing games. We are. Because he's not a good enough coach to find that rhythm with these players. He picks but that's the what players. I'm saying. Harry Maguire is a player in form. I'm not just I'm not digging Harry Maguire out. But we have lost the games with Harry Maguire in the back line. We have, albeit fewer games than when Raphael Varane has been in the back line. But what I would argue is this is a man who cannot coach the players that he brought into the football club, i.e. Mason Mount and Sophia Namrabat, to start over Christian Eriksen and Scott McTominay, because Scott McTominay has had moments of individual form this season where he's managed to score goals and he's managed to put the ball in the back of the net. Now, is he a better technical player than Amrabat or Mount? No. So we sacrifice this pass and then this quick transition that you want to play the informed player. Now, that is the fault of the manager. But I'm, I think that you're using two players as a bad example in Mount and Amrabat because you're two players that have been injured and you're two players that haven't had a pre-season. So you think that because they've been injured and they haven't had a pre-season that they're being kept sparingly? I think the was involved. Yes, I do. I think because the team is stretched at the minute because of injuries, I think that they are, he would say, delaying their progress. Well, this is the second international break where both Sophie and Amrabad and Mason Mount will not be on international duty. They'll be given rests. Rest, the rest was, of the But the, the, the country chose not to play him. Yes. He went away with Morocco. So he got a rest. That's nitpicking, I know. He got a two-week rest for play. That would bring anyone back in better spurs, I'm sure. He's got a two-week rest up. Now he gets another two-week rest up. So if the next team sheet comes out and Scott McTominay and Christian Eriksen are still on the team sheet and Amrabat and Mount have had another two-week rest, what's the excuse then? Huge questions have to be asked. Unless that he is... I don't, I don't know. He's been very timid, in my opinion, in his selection. With playing it safe, with going with Scott McTominay, with going with Christian Eriksen, unless Mason Mount and Amrabat are not 100% fit. Yeah, see, I, I know I've listened, of course, um, usually with Kieran here for the post game analysis or with um, somebody else coming on and talking about it. And I can see the points where you're trying to defend Eriksen Hag, but I just feel like you're defending him for the sake of it now. There is nothing else to, to fish for, there's nothing else to grab at other than that this is a man making his own decisions. He chose to play Harry Maguire over Raphael Varane. He is choosing to leave Amrabat and Mount on the bench to play Scott McTominay and Christian Eriksen because they've been in better form. Eriksen brought himself into the form category when he transformed the first game against Copenhagen in that second half, and he played very, very well. Scott McTominay, as I've said, has been in amongst the goals this season and therefore finds his way into the Manchester United team. But a better coach, in my opinion, we'll not talk about him as a manager because as a manager, I think he's very strong 
and I like some of his philosophies. But as a coach, as a man who takes these players from Monday to Friday, he cannot coach Sofian Amrabat and Mason Mount into this team. He is relying on the individuals who are in form because his coaching styles and methods are not translating onto the pitch. So we are seeing a dire, boring brand of football being played, as he said, to his tactical instruction. And I don't see a change in that. But you're saying, but, but you're sort of contradicting your own argument there, because you, what you're saying is that the players, that those players are keeping out, are in form. Christian Eriksen, who to me is in form at the minute, and, no, he won game. and he Scott won McTominay, game. who's in form, to replace him with Mount and Amorbat. Is that seriously an argument now that you're telling me that he has the right to pick Christian Eriksen, Scott McTominay because they're in form and sacrifice the playing style? So you drop in form and sacrifice. Style. Look, there is a difference between being in form and there is a difference between form being dictated by moments of individual brilliance. Christian Eriksen transferring to the Copenhagen game, he's done very little after that. Scott McTominay scored a raft of goals when Manchester United couldn't score goals. He has done very little after that. Scott is an attacking threat. He cannot pass the ball. Now you said that I contradicted my own argument. You have asked Ericsson Hag to play quicker, more attacking, passing football, more progressive football, but you're leaving the two more technically gifted midfielders on the bench. In but I said at the start of the podcast that I was very encouraged by Mason Mount, by his performance today. Who sat on the bench? Who sat on the bench. But when he came on, I was very encouraged by his performance. So therefore, next match, after the international break, he has to start. And if he doesn't? Well then... There's question marks over Eric Ten Hag and his selection. Is that the point then that you think you will If Mason Mount is 100% fit, and that's why they've brought this doctor in to head the medical department. Um, I forget him. Gary O'Driscoll, is it? He yeah. worked with the Iron Rugby team. Yeah. If they brought him in, and if they're taking directive from him on individual players and their fitness, then... Maybe that's why Mason Mount has not been played from the start. Maybe that's why Sophie Namovat's been rested. Who knows? 110%. Look, I, my point on it is, and I'll stick, this is a time-related, This time will resolve this issue. One of us is going to be right. I personally think that he plays Christian Eriksen, Scott McTominay, because it's safe, because those lads played under last season, and because he's not a good enough coach to get Sophie Namovat and Mason Mount playing a style of football in that team. I think what hammers this man and what eventually will lead to his sacking is He's a very poor coach. He is a very poor trainer and he is not getting things right on the training ground. He is alienating squad members who have big personalities through his need to be in total control and his dictatorship. And he's been referred to now as a school teacher. And, you know, there's been too too much stick and not enough care. I would see that in this man, to be honest. You, there's no love for this manager. There's no players hugging the man. There's no players high-fiving him. And it's not all about that. But it kind of is, because the big managers have players who will run through brick walls for them. And none of our players look like they can be bothered with this game. Because they're spike brats. That's why. Because well, that's it's funny. all good vibes and happy days and clappy happy people that lift their big wages at the end of the day and could have dictated to manager after manager. And then this man comes on, the dictator, lays down the law and said, you're not getting away with what you got away with. And that's the part of Ericsson Hag I like. I like that about Ericsson Hag, but you have to back that up with tactical news and good coaching abilities. You have to get the most out of players. You have to get your starting 11 playing a rhythmic, 
attacking, progressive style of football because you're the manager of Manchester United and you've spent 400 and something million pound on players. 400 and something million. What I'm seeing from Eric Ten Hag at the minute is so far below the standard that I'm at the point where I don't think it ever will get up to any sort of standard that wins the big trophies. And that is why I am so Ten Hag out. I want the new regime, and we'll get on to this in a minute, about the possibilities of people coming in. I would like to see a total reset in terms of this manager going because I don't think he's a good enough coach. And I would like to see new appointments come into the club and pick their own coach. Where the things that Eric Ten Hag did, the standards, the discipline, all of those brilliant things come from a higher level than him. And we get a really good attacking coach. Now, if Ten Hag wants to take up step upstairs, I'm all for it because I think he's brilliant at that. I think he's a brilliant manager of individual situations, but an abysmal coach. I disagree. And I think there's too many variables. There's too many, like we all sort of breathed a sigh of relief when Aaron Mampasaka came back. Now Aaron Mampasaka's sick. So that his team through illness or through injury has been chopping and changing since the start of the season. I agree with you. But if you're playing Luton and you're playing like that, irregardless of your injuries, you don't deserve to be in charge of Manchester United. You don't. You should be able to get the players that were on that pitch and available on your bench who you chose not to play, playing a standard of football that is much more impressive than what I've seen. Now, what I will say is there were, there were chances in that game that should have put away. Um, Hoivland should have scored. Rashford should have scored. Garnacho, Garnacho have scored. is doing nothing at the minute. He's a lot of fluff and a lot of effort for absolutely nothing. If Hoivland puts that goal in for Rashford, there's an assist. If, you know... If Hoivlin, if Carnacho converts the goal, there's an assist for Hoivlin, and it all looks better than it is. But they're not doing that at the minute. They're so either low in confidence or something is going wrong on the day to day at Manchester United that these players have forgotten the basics of last season. And I, I can't put my finger on what it is. But there were chances to score. That's what it is. I'm. I think today was a lot more positive than what I have seen in recent weeks. But if you are settling for that as a good performance, then you need your head looked at. You really do. Manchester United were playing Luton. Luton are bottom of the league. They frustrated and parked the bus against Liverpool. And we knew what was coming today. And to do that, to get through that, you play a quicker, more aggressive style of football. And it's so boring at the minute. And so pedestrian at the minute. I was talking to a few people through the game. And they turned around and said to me, oh yeah, but of course we're playing that way. Luton, park, Luton are parking the bus. Yes, every team we're playing against at the minute are sitting back in their own half. But do you know why? Because they're allowed to. Because we give them time to. That's exactly it. Tactically, we're a shit show. We're a shambles. You know what's coming against United. The ball comes into midfield and even I'm expecting, I said it to you at the start of the game, here we go again. It comes back to Maguire, who puts it out to Lindelof, who gives it to Rahulian, who has a look. Maybe plays a pass up to Garnacho, who gives it back to Rahulian, who gives it back to Lindelof, who gives it back to Maguire. Let's shift it out the right this time. Dallow has a wee look. Rashford's not available. Let's play it back in the midfield, then back to Maguire and Lindelof. That's tactical. That's not just easy, because that has happened game on game now. What on earth needs to change in this man's brain, where he is looking at the same games that we are and saying this is not good enough? Yeah, well, it's that was indicative of the reaction of the crowd today as well. Once again, booed at half time, and I agreed with the boos at half time because I was bored. There was at the end of the first match as yeah. well with some of those passages of play. Yeah, wouldn't it be very slow? That's but yes, that methodical build up and that wearing the the opposition down. 
And that's okay to do that, in my opinion, for the more elite sides. Not for a side like Luton or... Who else? Help me out here. Fulham. Fulham. He was born against Fulham, but he's getting wins. Yeah, because you're given that team, that opposition, that sits low and took the low block to the extreme and sits deep. You're giving them time to get back into formation, to get back into that defensive formation. Yeah, I just think that as Manchester United fans, we want to be positive about something. And we've gone through this period where each manager has come in and we all feel that they have been the victims of um, this management from the top. And I agree with that to an extent. But I think we brought in this manager through John Ward and Richard Arnold, who identified targets with this manager to go after. Do I agree the manager should have been in charge of recruitment? No, not a bit. But we also have been guilty, and I've said this so many times before, of accusing the football club of not buying the manager his targets. So I see a team now that has been put together by this man, and it involved today players who were sitting on the bench that he has spent millions on. Millions that he cannot get playing well this season. Now, that is not completely down to him. Every individual player has to hold themselves to a certain standard to play for Manchester United. But when it's going wrong as a collective, when the football is being played poorly as a collective, that's on your manager. You have to ask questions of this manager and saying, what are the tactical instructions? Why are we playing so slow? Why is it so boring? Why is the ball coming back to the defender so much? Why are they just recycling the same passages of play? defining insanity by trying the same thing over and over again and failing and then being pulled out by moments of brilliance. And today, yes, there were missed chances, but Manchester United scored one goal against Luton and it came from a scrappy, misshapen attack that Rashford whipped the ball in. It sort of fell down to Lindelof and he put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, but there's too many missed chances, not just in this game today, but from the start of the season. Our forward line has been shocking. Absolutely shocking. True. Our forward line was selected by this manager. The manager can't go on the pitch and stick the ball in the back of the net for What he could have done is buy players who could score goals and he purchased Anthony and Hoyland. He could score goals on that pitch. Marcus Rashford, one out of the many games. Garnacho, none. Anthony, none. Hoyland, none. So you think it's down to the individual players then? Absolutely. You can't just blame the manager on it and tactics. We've had chance after chance to stick that ball. I could go on and I'm near 60 and put that ball in the back of the net. Do you think it's an immature, a naive thing from naivety for Manchester United in the fact that our front line is so young? Anthony and Hoyland. Now, Marcus Rashford should be doing better. He should be scoring goals. Yes, I think Marcus he Rashford is a senior player. Yeah, he, he, he was so tame in his effort today. But Marcus Rashford almost set up Rasmus Hoyland. I didn't see anyone else find Rasmus Hoyland today apart from Marcus Rashford. A consistent theme of those two lads playing together. At least once a game, Rashford at least finds him. Well, I think there were a couple. I think Bruno Fernandes whipped the ball in. And who else was it? Bruno Fernandes whipped the ball in and it didn't work out. I'm talking about a clear-cut chance where Hoyland should have scored. There was one today and it came from Rashford. There was a couple of clear-cut chances today. I'm not just talking about Hoyland. I'm talking about Garnacho. I'm talking about Rashford. And that's what I said. Now, last season, Rashford would bury that. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, Rasmus Hoyland, well, it doesn't matter who created the chances today. Garnacho had won. Ivan had won and um, Barks Rashford had won. All three should have scored. So that's our front line. Yeah, who's been there? But we were sitting watching that match, right? Mm-hmm. Why did Garnacho not shoot first time? Why did he try and take it round the goalie? There is no confidence in this team. 
There is no belief in this team. This is a team fighting on fumes at the minute. It's a team who has so many internal issues, and it is a team where I have to agree with Alan Brazil. I think in large parts of the squad, Ten Hag's lost them. I don't think they want to play for this man. I don't think they believe in the game plan that's being executed at the minute. And you know what? People will turn around and say, yes, oh, but that's player power and that's X, Y, and Z. But at a football club, if you are playing a poor standard of football and you don't believe in the game plan that's being executed in front of you, then you have a right as a human to have a natural reaction to that. If you don't like a manager in any shape, form of work, you're not going to go in and say, right, well, I'm getting paid X amount of money to be here, so I'm just going to be happy with this poor manager and the way they treat me. You're going to have a very natural reaction to it. And I think that is coming from some players of Manchester United, a very natural reaction to a man they think isn't coaching them well enough and has a very totalitarian approach to things. Well, I'm sorry I'm calling bullshit on that, Rory. I really am, because I'm sick of this argument as well. If players aren't playing to your direction, drop them. Say to the upper management, I am dropping him because he's down tools. Sorry to interrupt, Rory. If that's four or five of them, I don't give a shit, just drop them to the bench. Do you think he's done that? Do you think that's why he's not playing Raphael Varane, Anthony, Mount? Are they down in tools? I have no idea. I have no idea. But your argument is that it's human nature, and you're right, it is human nature. My but argument... if, I am, if I'm in an office situation, and I don't like my manager, and I'm going in and I'm saying, the hell with this, I'm not going to put a day's work in, I'm the one that's going to get sacked, not the manager. My argument is that if one or two players were playing poorly or three or four players were playing poorly and this individual argument stood up and I've seen shades of it or some form of what you consistently describe and other fans consistently describe, then I would turn around and say, right, I see your argument. But I think that you're being really naive and optimistic in putting faith in a manager who is managing 23 players and they are all dog shit at the moment. I think you are glorifying a man and defending a man who had 23 players available to him in the recent weeks, has effectively gone out of the Champions League now. He is sixth in the Premier League, but I have no faith to win in the Premier League. So what is the goals and standard here? And who crashed out of the Carabao Cup to a much better Newcastle team than embarrassed him. And what what are the goals for this season? To ride it out and hope that Erickson Hag finally gets it clicking. He won't. I can tell you now he won't. And this is another time-related issue where I will hold my hands up and just feel vindicated when he gets sacked. Because I don't think you are logically looking at Manchester United at the minute. You're wanting to see positives in what is absolutely dire. You're so negative. The, is the, has the man not reached a record? Did I not hear today that he's, he's the quickest manager in United's history to reach 30, win 30 games out of 50? I tell you why I'm so negative. Because I hold Manchester United to a higher standard than what I'm saying. He played counter-attacking football last year and he won a Carabao Cup and then he got beaten in the FA Cup, deservedly so, against Manchester City. He didn't come close to winning the league. He did absolutely fuck all in Europe. He has come into this season. He has bought in more players. He has spent over £400 million. He has a few positive records, but also a lot of negative ones that if you give me time to Google, I'll be able to pull up. And what I'm seeing on the football pitch is not good enough to beat Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal or anybody else. So what's the solution here? Fire another 300 million of them. Give him another 300 million and no Mitchell and Blanc will come in and even though he's the wrong manager, it'll eventually get better. No, I'm not having it. I'm not going to back down from my opinion that this is the wrong man. Completely the wrong man. Well, I think it's a bit knee-jerk and I think it's too soon to call for his head. 
if I had seen a reaction and a performance today after crashing out of Copenhagen that I could have been proud of as a Manchester United fan, I would agree with you. Missed chances to say, I thought the football was shit today. Well, I think it's as dire as your, your interpretation of it. I think playing Luton and knocking the ball amongst your centre-backs and getting jeered and booed from the crowd is exactly the reaction that I would expect from Manchester United fans like me who hold the club to a higher standard. But we're all we're 50-50 at the minute. People have the optimists like you that have seen it gone so wrong in the past few years and don't want to blame the manager. And then you will have people like it's me who play the football and think that isn't the game. It's not that I don't want to blame the manager. And of course the manager has to be held accountable. But there has been way too many variables this season for him to be totally, for the blame to be put totally on his shoulders. I don't think the style and tactics that are being employed on the football pitch and the way the players are playing has anything to do with any variables. It is down to the man that is coaching and picking the tactics and style of play on that pitch. Well, I think you're right. To turn around and say, oh, things are going on behind the scenes and it's very hard for me to get the boys playing right. It's not just, things that, it's not just things that are going on behind the scenes. It's the injuries and the illness that have interrupted the season so far. Now, we see... Right. Everybody has injuries and illness. Yeah. Everybody. Sorry, Tottenham lost today 2-1 to Wolves. They did. Yeah, there you go. Tottenham are 100. They lost, Rory. 100%. They lost. Further ahead in a couple of months under Ange Postacoglu, then our manager has managed to get in two seats. We'll see. That is an extremely poor example, considering Ange has spent a fraction of what Arton Hag has spent. And United fans wanted to use the excuse last season, oh, but we lost Ronaldo. They lost Harry Kane. They lost the world's best goal scorer in current football and still are up at the top of the Premier League. Where's your Dutchman at? Oh, no, but here, it's it's not because the football's poor, not a chance. It's because there's injuries and illness and the Glazers are mean to him. Ridiculous. I don't get on board with that logic. Can't support it. Do you think that Ange... Is a better or worse coach than Arsene Hag? I think it's too soon to judge. Do you well, think Tottenham or Manchester United play the better football this year? Well, I haven't watched a lot of Tottenham matches, I have to say. But I've watched Ange's Celtic side a couple of times. We watched Spurs the other night. Do we? Tottenham play a better style of football than Manchester United? Well, they have a style of football at the minute. Exactly. So to use... I didn't say better. I said the half. It is better. I don't think anybody that's not being a Ten Hag fan can sit and honestly use talking. I'm just arguing with you against. You I are. Think I'm arguing you with are. you. are. There's no. You're so negative. I am. I'm not. I wouldn't call it negativity. Oh my God, you're such a doomer. I think if you want to be optimistic about Manchester United and you want to be a fan for the sake of being a fan, you would t- look at someone's opinions like mine and say, "Oh my God, you're so negative." Because I'm not agreeing with the giddy optimism of certain Manchester United oh, fans. Giddily optimistic. Yourself and Kieran are very no, giddily optimistic. Not. It's defend the manager for the sake of defend the manager. Look, I'm defending the manager because there has been variables that have gone against him. Give me, tell me this, right? And I don't think he's going to last any sort of time frame. I don't think he's good enough. But what is the time frame for you? How long would you give him to get this right? How long would you suffer mediocrity and failure? to finally have your, your final earth and high plan. I honestly, yeah. yeah, I'd give him to the end of the season, see where we are at the end of the season, and definition, our defining way of playing, then yes, I would consider it. But this is why I'm glad that like a football and people are coming in, if it's true, with Paul Mitchell, 
and um, Jean-Claude Blanc that they can identify the right manager to take the club forward. Yeah. With the, that group of players, without spend another fortune on a group of players to pile on to the group of players that we already have. Because it's a mashup of styles at the minute. Because we have a mashup of players who can play a system and only a system. And in my opinion, we empower a manager to make transfer decisions that have utterly failed. Not all of them. No, they haven't. Not all of them. Not yet. They're, Lissandra Martin is, is a shining example of good recruitment. From I think Mason Wright would be a good Not eventually. yet. Not yet. No, not I, yet. I have all the faith in the anyway. world, and I'm not being negative to say I have all the faith in the world in Mason Mount. But in terms of paying that amount of money and giving him the number seven, Mason Mount should have had an immediate impact on the squad. He should have come clean into this football team. And people turn around and say, give him time, needs to adapt, blah, blah, blah. Klopp is doing it with Sabalase. Sabalase came from a different league, has come into the Premier League and looks like an absolute baller. So I'm not taking that crap that Mason Mount needs an adjustment period. A good coach will get a good player playing well. So Ericton Hag brought him in for an instant impact, spent a lot of money on him and fucked it. And he's done the same thing with Casemiro, who I don't know if Ten Hag made that signing or it was a reaction to the Frankie de Jong failed pursuit. But Casemiro, I, own, I completely believe, will go to Saudi Arabia as early as January, if not January next summer. So it was a stopgap signing that was brought in, has done a job for a season, and now that the playing style has changed and other players aren't involved in the squad, looks like a failure. He brought in Anthony. I'm not even going to speak about Anthony because I don't think I have to. He brought in Rasmus Hoyland, who I love. I think Rasmus Hoyland has all the talent in the world, but he didn't sign a backup striker because he'd spent money on Mason Mount who he doesn't start in midfield. He starts a free signing of his and Christian Eriksen and Scott McTominay now the Casemiro can't play. So he spent, he could have brought in a backup striker for Erasmus Hoyland to relieve the pressure on the lad, but he chose not to. So I agree with Mitchell and Blanc coming in because our manager has failed in the transfer market thus far. But is he, as a man who has been given the autonomy to make these transfers, going to enjoy now being told, actually, Eric, you're not good enough at making transfers so we will dictate the transfer policy now and you will coach the players. And if we go right back to my point, is he good enough to coach these players who these people are going to bring in? Because he went for his class of players. Ericsson had the Ajax links. Lissandra Martinez, he managed. Anthony, he managed. Is Casemiro the only... Well, Coyland, I suppose. Casemiro was kind of the only signing in around that certain age where he had no real affiliations to. Because is world class. Yeah. Just being made look poor. Well, this season, yes. It was outstanding last season. So do you think that there's going to be a bit of a power struggle at Manchester United now when Blanc comes in and Mitchell comes in and you turn around to St. Hag and say, look, it was done this way under Murdoch and Arnold, but it's not being done that way going forward? Well, I know it's a real cliched answer, but time will tell. Yeah. No, that's not a cliche. I think a lot of these are time-related issues. We can have opinions on them, but time is going to show what happens and what doesn't happen. And I think the Harry Maguire situation is indicative of that, where we all had the conversation for a couple of football games there to say that Harry Maguire was in as a necessity because Varane didn't have X, Y, and Z. Varane gets an lot back to them and chooses Maguire. So my take on it is that Ericsson Hag will not change the playing style. The playing style is the playing style because that's what he wants to play. And I think no matter what players come in, it will continue to be played that way. But you believe there is a different way to play and that he will find it? 
Yes, I do. I believe when he's got a personnel back, like Shaw, Wampasaka, Martinez. He had Wampasaka back from Cop- for Copenhagen and Fulham, didn't he? Yeah. And it's it's, shit. It was not. The football was. It was not. The football was. It wasn't. Well, for 20 minutes of the Copenhagen game, that we can see that it wasn't. It did look better. Uh, and I think if that game had went on, it would have had a very different complexion and result. Uh, there was a couple of... Um, the standard of football was poor in the following game. It was the same, where he can out results. And you know, some people would turn around and say, it takes a good football team to play badly and still win. Some people would. Some people would. But I tell you where I just have all my negativity focused on. Style of play, coaching, tactics. I really hate this boring, laboured crap that I'm saying. Yeah, do you know what I hate as well? And I have to agree with you reluctantly. But this winning ugly. Yeah. I, I just We're sitting watching it on the television, right? I would hate to be a travelling fan, or even fans that are going to the home games. People will try and compare last season and this season. But Erickson Hag has openly come out and said this. He has taken this argument away from all of us. He said, we didn't have the players that we needed last season, so we played a certain style of football that suited the players that were in the team. This is my way of playing football. I'm going to persevere with my tactics and my style now. So this is how I want to play, and this is what you're seeing. It's worse than last season. But I don't think what we are seeing is his style in full flow. I think this is the start of the process, and I'm beginning to hate that word, to be quite honest. But this is the start of his style of play, but it's going to take a while to get up to speed, to implement it, that it's entertaining. So, can he do it with the current crop of players? No. So we need to give him another, what, 300 million? No, we don't. We need... We need... We need... Three players, I would say. What three? Right. We need a defensive midfielder. I know people hate that defensive midfielder. You know, they think... Well, oh, yeah, the whole midfielders, thing. Yeah. Because we're playing with two tens at the minute. In, yeah. um, so we need... Scott, in this weird dynamic where Scott McTominay and Bruno Fernandes are consistently higher up the pitch playing as tens. Christian Eriksen holds midfield as like a deep line playmaker at the minute. It's weird. But, yeah, I, I would take your point. Hold a midfielder to allow us to play with two tens. Hold a midfielder. Um, and this is going to be a bit contentious, but I would let either Dallow or Aaron Wambazaka go and get a right back. I would get a right back. I don't, I'm sick of the, you know, one or the other. Oh, one's a brilliant defender and one is good going forward. Now, I think Wambazaka has actually improved this game going forward. Yes. But he can't cross the ball. No. It's the same thing every time. It's the, the take-on and the getting himself in a position and the fizz ball into the box. If you have Hoagland, you need height. You yeah. need crosses. So I'm with you. Right back. We need a second striker. We need four, actually. Because we are. We need to sort out that right wing. Either go forward with Anthony. But he has to because he spent all that money on him. Yeah. Or sell him to Saudi, which is far too young for him. Can't do that. He's gonna. I don't know. That right wing needs. I think that is wishful thinking, and that's something that Manchester United fans fall into the trap of. This wishful. Oh, I I would sell Anthony, or we should get rid of Anthony, or cut our losses on Anthony. You need to realise that Anthony will be there until Ericsson Hag goes. Anthony will only be cut by a different manager. Anthony is Ericsson Hag's chosen player for taking Manchester United forwards. He was the right winger that Ten Hag wanted. He spent an obscene amount of money on him. He has had him at Ajax. 
since the lad was a child and defends him at every flip and turn because he has a really good personal relationship with Anthony. You're not getting rid of Anthony. So to say that we're going to bring in another right winger means that Anthony drops onto the bench. Bacundo Palestri is there as the backup right winger. So I can't see that one. Well, three, okay, three players were coming in. Right, that's my three pick. We need a second striker. We need a defensive midfielder. And we need a right back. No centre-backs? We need five players. So you need 300 million? At least. So my point stands, it's going to take another war chest and another fortune for Ayrton Hag to get the current crop of players playing his style of football. But they'll not have to spend in one window, of course. And we need to get players out. Yeah, true. I agree. But you're not going to get these players out the door on any sort of money. Jose Mourinho said this and said this brilliantly. The players that have left Manchester United, where have they gone? Who are they playing for? It's always minimal clubs and nobody makes a big transfer from Manchester United to another big club. I think that's what most fans are are hoping and wishing that when these play, when these when sorry when Radcliffe takes over and implements his team that it will be run more efficiently than it has been in the past. And I would agree. But those transfer fees where you're going to be able to command for the current crop of players is not going to raise you the money that you're expecting to get the players in that Ericsson Hag needs. If Ericsson Hag needs five or six players, he needs another three hundred plus million. Now, the players that are going to go out the door are going to go for exactly what United players are worth in the market at the minute, 10 to 15 million, because they are over-inflated wages and you need to offset your transfer fees to allow these clubs that are negotiating with our players to be able to pay them a fair amount. Yeah. So you take a hit in the transfer fee and you allow the clubs to pay them more money than you should do, providing you find the clubs that allow you to do it. So what we're agreeing to now is Ericsson Hag will get a right in your opinion yeah. if we give him 300 plus million. Yes. I, so that would take his overall spend to £700 million. Yeah. We're going to invest £700 million in this manager, right? Now, you made the point that Manchester United have failed in the past by bringing all these players in for different managers, making a mashup on a Frankenstein project that hasn't worked. I am of the opinion, as, as a lot of Manchester United fans, that this is not the man for the job. I don't want him to be given £300 million. I don't want a £700 million squad to have a manager get sacked for not being good enough and then another coach come in and the same crap that has been recycled from Manchester United for years happens. Here's my point of view. Manchester United invested in the wrong managers. This logic from Manchester United fans that we don't back managers and that there's a poor culture and a poisonous culture at the football club and that's why it's going wrong, not having it. Moyes was the wrong decision. After Moyes, we brought in Louis van Gaal. Wrong decision. Jose Mourinho came in at effectively the end of his career. He was like a grumpy old man. His family weren't living with him. He was up in Manchester, travelling back to London. He had just come off the back of the Chelsea success. And we got the shell of Jose Mourinho that failed again at Tottenham as well. Then we brought in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, a man who was so poor tactically that it was always going to fail, but a brilliant influence. And he had a bit of vitamin in the coaching and the players wanted to play for him because he was breath fresher. But a failing. Then you brought in Ralph Ranić. Ralph Ranić was meant to be brought in as a sporting director. Said some brilliant things in press conferences. Said some really inspirational stuff that will get dredged up. But on the pitch, picked a system that the Premier League had never seen before. That the players had never seen before. And it was crap. So Ralph ended up going out because Eric Ten Hag is chosen as the new messiah. And I believed it. I bought into the Eric Ten Hag hype. I was an Eric Ten Hag fanboy. I seen the football being played at Ajax and I thought, oh my God, this is brilliant. And we bring him in, and it's come to this point now. Now, 
the Ericsson Hag I seen playing Ajax now makes sense to me. He was able to play a counter attack in second string style of football in the Champions League because there was less expectancy in Ajax. They're not the big club that Manchester United is. The Eredivisie is infinitely easier to win with an Ajax team than the, it is to win the Premier League with Manchester United. And it's a Miller Feeling. He's a brilliant totalitarian school teacher type person who's instilled principles and methods and all that good stuff from him. But on the pitch, it's not good enough. Right, okay. Don't look any further for any problems than that. Poor selection of monitors. If we recruit poorly in players, why is it unfathomable that we can't just admit as a football club that we actually also recruit pretty poorly when it comes to monitors? But you're going to sack Eric Ten Hag, right? So Eric Ten Hag's sacked after the international break. During the home. Right, okay. Bring in who? No clue. No idea. Right. That is for better men than me. That is for Blanc and Paul Mitchell to get a fresh slate. These footballing people who I believe in to take this football club forward. And that is their first decision that I would hand them and empower them. Right. Okay. To make them live in it, right. Take for the crack. Mm-hmm. The higher Zending Sedan. Just for the crack. They won't come. Well, I'm just saying for okay. the crack. Sorry. Right? Yeah. Right. Hypothetical. Sending Sedan's in, yeah. Sending Sedan's in, right. You still have Eric Ten Hag's signings. You still have Ollie Simons. You still have who else? Oh yeah, yeah. But you've got a better coach. So this Sanding Sedan is gonna walk into Man United and coach this team to into a winning side in less than eighteen months. He won't coach this team into a winning side, but he will coach this team a lot better than what we're seeing at the minute. Ericsson Hag has not got the pedigree of Zinedine Zidane. And frankly, comparing Ericsson Hag to Zinedine Zidane is like comparing Anthony to Mbappe. Zidane has won multiple Ligas, multiple Champions League, and we're comparing him to a lot. His biggest achievement was to get into a semi-final against Tottenham. One club that he inherited with worthy players. Okay, fair enough. I take that. His achievements are better than Ericsson Hag's. Yeah. They are. Pep Guardiola made a career out of coming into a Barcelona team that had better players than everyone else, but he's still Pep Guardiola. To diminish Zinedine Zidane because he hasn't managed to manage anywhere else, not having him. Still takes, no matter if you've got the players, you still have to manage them to the Champions League final repeatedly, and he did it. With one team of worldly players. If I can reset the clock and you offer me a manager like Zinedine Zidane, I haven't seen Pep Guardiola's formula for managing Barcelona and what he achieved in his other careers. And you offer me a man whose biggest achievement was getting into a semi-final with Spurs that he lost. I'm taking Zinedine Zidane to compare them to his farcical. In your opinion? In my opinion, completely farcical. Probably. Sisu would get that team playing a way that he would want them to play because he has experience in dealing with egos and players and he has experience of one of the top clubs, a massive juggernaut of a club like Real Madrid. So Manchester United wouldn't be a step up for him. It'd be a lateral move. And I do believe that he would eventually get it right, but he won't take the Manchester United job, so it's a hypothetical. Eventually get it right. And what time frame were we talking about this eventuality? How long would it take Sedan to fix United? Oh, I think it takes any manager two or three seasons to fix Manchester United. But, and this is the difference because I know what you're trying to hint at here, it needs to get progressively better year on year. It can't be one year of counter-attacking football that wins a Carabao Cup and then dog shit. And then we keep persevering with it to see how what he can get to. If Sedan didn't win a Cup in his first season 
but Manchester United were playing a free-flowing attacking style of play that I could resonate with, I'd be happy. I'll give you back Ten Hag's Carabao Cup if you can give me Ten Hag's playing attacking football. Yeah, but you're going to get the time. Um, I'll give him a season to get playing better. I'll give him, do you know what? I'll shorten it. I'll give him to the rest of the season to show me how he would get these Manchester United, these current Manchester United players playing because that's what good coaches do. You want an example of it? The man you tried to dig out, Ange Postacoglu. Postacoglu's style took weeks to implement a Tottenham because he's a brilliant coach. And I don't think Tottenham are going to win the league. And I think eventually when it comes to the end of the season, you probably will get your wish and you'll get turn around and go, oh, look, ha-ha, scores one nothing. But I tell you what, Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham finished a lot higher than Ericsson Hags Manchester United this year. Okay, okay. And see, that is a statement I will make. And at the end of the season, I can guarantee you I'm right. I'll tell you even better. I think Ange Postacoglu will still be as far as Nurse Ten Hag would be at United. That's my take on it. You obviously feel differently in that Ten Hag's going to stay. It's not that, it's not that I'm Eric Ten Hag's biggest fan here. It's just that I'm sick of the club sacking managers when we go through a bad period. I'm just sick of that, that recycling of managerial wasteland. Chelsea did it to success for years. They would bring a manager in, they would let him achieve what he achieved, and after a couple of months of a bad period, they would sack him. Well, see, I don't like that. No, because you grew up with Alex Ferguson, and we're spoiled as Manchester United fans. I didn't grow up with Alex Ferguson. I grew up with the like of Tommy Doherty, Dave Sexton, yokes like that. And how long did they get in the job? Well, I was very young, can't remember. Yeah, probably years upon years, because that's the United way. You know, we keep going until the point of no return where we admit that we got it wrong. You know, even though we know it's wrong now, let's hesitantly wait and fail more before we actually hit the eject button. Let's just get footballing people in at the top and then proceed. Do you know what annoys me when it comes to the manager to be at Manchester United, right? See if a player is bought for X amount of money and he comes into a football club and he's not performing. Anthony, right? People want him out the door. And you said there you would get rid of Anthony. But you can't turn the same reflection towards the manager. You'll defend the manager because you just admitted you don't want that to happen, the recycling of the managers. But you can see the feelings in Anthony as a footballer and won't look at the feelings of Eric Hag as a manager. I mean, to me, a manager isn't, should be no more protected if he's failing than a player. If this is the wrong man for the job, say them and go in. Be ruthless. Do what Chelsea did until it comes right. Fucking rinse and repeat a manager every season if you have to. Just get to the point where we are seeing a style of football and a coach and a manager that we all believe in. Because this man is dividing opinion far too early on in his tenure as Manchester United manager. And week on week, I am not seeing improvements. But you obviously don't want that. Oh, no. I think it's way too soon to sack him. You're talking about sacking him in the inter- um, during the international break. I yeah, think it's way too, way too early. Way too early. So what is your goal for this season? In what way? So is there no goal for Ericsson Hag this season? What's the goal? What does Ericsson Hag have to do this season? To justify his top four? four. If he doesn't get it, does he get sacked? Yes. I can live by that. That that is a lot more resolute than most United fans have been. That's the minimum for a manager. A Man United manager for me is top four. So we don't get top four, we sack Sack him. If he falls into a position before the end of the season where he can't attain top four, do we sack him? Why would you bring in who? Darren Fletcher? To the end of the season. Well, I mean, there's... If, if, if the dressing room has um, turned toxic by that stage, 
There's the conundrum, though. At what stage do you admit that the manager isn't looking likely to get in top four and is the right decision then at that point, knowing that this man won't continue on next year, to try and get a new manager bouncing? If there's a coach available, bring in that new coach. If there's not a new coach available, try and do an ollie. But from a stronger standpoint, have these football people in who know that giving Ollie the interim job and then taking him on afterwards was a mistake, but giving Ollie the interim job was the correct decision because the new bounce got them to places they didn't think they could get to. The case in point of this was Robert Di Matteo with Chelsea. Oh, yeah, she got them Champions League. Still sacked. Wasn't good enough. Mm. They didn't think he was the coach of the future, so they sacked him. But he still won them the Champions League. Yeah. He still had Chelsea fans crowing and smiling and singing in the streets, and they still got their Champions League. But Chelsea ruthlessly saved Di Mejia because they did not see him as the correct monitor for the job. That is the sort of business acumen I want at Manchester United. People will argue with it and they'll say, no, it's not the United way and it's not the United philosophy. But you know what? That's dead. It's of a bygone era. This is football now. The only measurement for success should be success. And if you're seeing any hint of feelings or a man that's getting dumped out of the Champions League and he comes to a point where he can't achieve top four, be ruthless. Would you not agree? Oh, I'd agree. But by that token, then, Klopp would have walked last year if that was the... He had money in the bank because he won the Premier League and the Champions League. Eric Ten Hag doesn't have it. Yeah, I suppose. Anybody that's won with Klopp has won and transformed Liverpool in the way that he transformed Liverpool. They had enough credit to weather the storm of last season. Eriksen Hag, unfortunately, has given us one season of counter-attack in football that was moderately successful and now a season of typical Manchester United football. Just depressing. And I mean, it sounds bad because we won a game today. We could take three points away from Luton and still I'm, I'm sounding negative. But I don't see enough to be positive about it. It just feels very well, different. I see green sheets, I really do. But then I'm a more positive person than you are. Do you know what I used to be until I started trying to analyze? They did, yeah. It's the same crap on repeat. But. You're too young to be that jaded, Rory. I'm only jaded when it comes to Manchester United. You know? I don't know. I just can't get myself into the same logic as certain other. Like, this has been the same routine that has happened with other managers because they're not good enough and their style of football wasn't good enough. So, what do we. To me, you've seen it with Louis, you've seen it with Jose. It's there. How do you not see the blueprint for what this man's going to do? He's going to continue playing the players he thinks will get him results. Football will not improve, and he'll be sacked. The end. Yeah, for me it is. But we go again into an international break where there's not going to be a whole lot of football going on, but I think there is going to be going to be some heavy stories come Monday. So we'll be back on Tuesday to do an edition of Family Therapy and talk through everything that comes on Monday. Uh, stock markets open on Monday and I think we could see finally the, the shiftings or the more concrete stories coming out about Jim Ratcliffe's takeover. Well, hopefully. It sort of needs to happen at this point to give us a boost. Well, you need a lot of positivity, Rory. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> I'm depressed, though. <laughs> it's a time issue and I have stated what I think will happen and time will prove one of us right. Yes, it will. So if Ericsson Hag turns it around, I will be the first person to hold my hands up and I'll be the first person to say, you know what, I got it wrong. But I am happy enough to stand by my statements. I don't see it. So thanks for listening, folks. As always, give us a like on the socials and 
if there's any different views, anything you have to say, feel free to send it through in a DM, any questions, anything you want us to cover. Otherwise, we'll be back on Tuesday. Bye, everyone.